0: Okay, I'm going to uh, chat for a little while just uh, to give you a a kind of lead in to this session on researching the route and then we're going to stop and break up into groups so that we can have uh, much more kind of discussion and hear from you guys uh, about where you're at actually on your journey and so that we can hopefully speak wisely into that. So I'll just chat for about uh, about 20 minutes or so and then... uh, (laughs) <laughs> hopefully <laughs> and then we'll, uh, we'll break up into groups and spend some time together so researching the route uh, really is, is all about how to begin practically working your sense of call, cool, moving from a, a place of conviction uh, to actual involvement and that's why we're calling this session researching the root there are normally three key questions uh, that you need to think about when that conviction is really growing uh, in your heart number one is the possible need of any further training. Uh, sometimes we're kind of all rounded and ready to go, God shaped us and you know, we're right off. But there may be those question: what further training uh, do you need to equip you uh, to work in that new season in the place where God's going to send you to? We also need to work out a realistic time period uh, for that time of preparation it's really important. We said uh, in one of our first sessions you know, that no time is wasted in God's economy. And uh, sometimes you know, that might take a longer preparation time uh, than others. But you need to look at that question and say, what, what is that realistic time period for me? So I've got folks at home you know, thinking of going somewhere and uh, we're just working out what's a realistic time. So looking at the age of their children, looking at their work situation and various other stuff that to uh, find out what is the, the kind of timing for that. And then possible orientation needs. Uh, If you're going to move into a new setting, uh, what do you need to learn about that uh, and about the new sphere of service uh, that you'll be working in? And uh, how can you get ready for entry into that new culture? So those are the things that you need to, uh, to be asking yourself. As with all things, there's no one solution or one route that fits all. And so your answer to these kind of questions will depend very much on your individual personal circumstances and also, of course, the complexities of the culture uh, that you will be entering. (laughs) So, for example, you find it very difficult if you go into a Muslim country uh, to give hospitality because hospitality doesn't work in terms of you inviting them to your home. You show honour to them by actually going to their home. So that could be quite a change, you know, where, uh, just like uh, Rachel was saying, where you've always been used to having people in your house and, you know, relaxing in your house with them, to then having to get up and go out and actually visit somebody. But in, in Islamic society, that is much more an honouring of the family, that you actually go to them rather than they come uh, to your home. So there's often little things that you've got to learn, and so that's important to, uh, to look at those complexities. Now, can I give you just a health warning? Please don't approach this on your own. Remember Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And so in terms of your preparation, answering these questions, uh, the practical steps that you need to take, don't try and do it on your own, but try and involve as many people around you as you can. So I'd say as early as possible. Uh, seek to talk obviously with your leadership team and your local church that are caring for you and uh, also talk to uh, the RM team like Morris and Mark and others that are uh, overseeing the whole pioneering uh, thing also talk to trusted friends and family uh, that you know will be supportive uh, on your journey so that they can be involved with you in in the whole process now maybe your sense of call is to uh, a different situation or area or nation where relational mission is not currently working. Uh, It's still great to talk to the guys in the team here about that. Um, I'm very surprised sometimes when I talk with people that they don't know where RM is working <laughs> overseas. Or Sometimes people say, well, I haven't talked to anybody because, well, I know RM's not working in Mongolia. So, And I feel a call to Mongolia, so why would I talk to RM about it? Well, can I say, please talk to us about it, because we'd love to get behind some of these pioneering situations. And uh, also, if we are aware of other things that are happening in that nation... Uh, with other parts of the other apostolic spheres of New Frontiers. We can often point you in the right direction uh, to be part. So some of my own folk are involved in Jordan and they head up the Jordan team, but in the Jordan team they have people from four or five different apostolic spheres that actually work under that one team. So there's places uh, that we could uh, you know, steer you towards. Also through the years I've also been involved with uh, working partnerships between new frontiers and some of the mission agencies uh, around uh, that are and around the world. And so in some countries we've worked together uh, with mission organizations like Frontiers, not to be confused with New Frontiers. Frontiers works uh, exclusively in the Islamic world. And so like in Tunisia, we did a joint project there uh, where we gave actually a- apostolic input to the way the work was developing. Frontiers gave a lot of input in terms of the cultural background and cultural training and those kind of areas. And so we worked a partnership agreement, uh, uh, always with the intention of our folk actually being trained there and then being able to move on to do their own thing later and we've done a number of those kind of partnership things. So it's just to encourage you in that way. You know, it's great to find out where ARM is working. If you've got somewhere where we're not working, we'd love to hear about that. We could steer you in the right direction to other apostolic spheres or even find other things where we could uh, do that. Now, let me list a few practical issues that you'll need to think about. First one, of course, is long-term or short-term. If you're going to go and serve God in another place you need to answer the question, am I going long-term or am I going short-term? Now, the definition of that, for me, and it's changed a little bit, um, uh, long-term is anything of five years and over, okay? And short-term is obviously two to five years. And uh, we need to look at that. And there are benefits and drawbacks uh, to you both personally and also to the work. And uh, I would say from my travels, I don't know what Morris would say, but from my travels, I still see that long-term commitment is still the greatest need in the world. There are lots of people, because we're so used in our global world, to travel now, and you can get you know, to all sorts of places you know, within hours. In fact, sometimes I can get overseas somewhere quicker than I can get out of Cambridge. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's easy that kind of travel world, that there are a lot of people now doing short-term work Um, for just short periods and that can have some benefit but I believe that it still needs for people to sink their life into different situations Now, one of the great blessings we also have now is that uh, there are many people now getting saved in our own country from nations overseas and so one of the great blessings of that is actually being able to send them back to actually plant in their own countries and we've recently had uh, one of the guys from the church in Salisbury who's a Ghanaian who had been in a military trial and interestingly enough it's when he came to England and joined the army here that he came back to God he'd known, he'd made a commitment to God when he was a, a child and then totally drifted away and when he got back here joined the army and then somebody on the army base invited him to church and uh, he came back to God and almost from the first time he came back to God God said to him I want you to go and plant the church Back in your home of Ghana. And uh, in January, he and his family are going back to Ghana to plant a church, and the church has got behind them. They've been preparing them for that. And that's uh, another great blessing that's going on, that ability actually to get behind people and send them back. And of course, that works, if I can put it this way, it depends on the grace of God and what God is up to, but very often those work much quicker than kind of expats going into the country having to learn the language, learn the culture and all that kind of thing so that's one thing you could be praying about in your own churches actually where you've got nationals from overseas uh, how you can actually train them and see whether they can go back having said that I must say that short term work is valuable and a significant contribution to God's work it can be very strategic at times uh, but often also it can be a precursor to long term involvement So I'm not at all against folk going for two or three years just to see how God, as as it were, leads in that and how they cope with that and part of that tested and called. And very often it does lead on uh, to longer term. Generally speaking, if you're going to work long term in another culture, you'll need a a longer and more thorough period of preparation and training. That's just a, a rule by thumb, as it were. Another key factor in making your decision uh, will be actually your financial support and where that comes from. Uh, now, they are <coughs> very rarely these days, at least I don't find anyway, is somebody going overseas fully funded by their own church. doesn't uh, In the old days, it seemed to work. But then what happened was that you just had one person <laughs> that went out from one church because it took so much finance to get them out there and keep them out there. And so, for example, in my own church where we have numbers of people overseas, there is no way uh, that we could supply you 12-plus know, salaries you know, um, for those folks to be full-time out there. So we've had to look at different ways of funding them. But that's a thing you'll need to talk through, whether you'll be funded fully or partially by your home church uh, or by individual friends, whether you're going to support yourself by working in secular employment, and more and more folk going now because the world is more global, uh, you can usually find jobs across the world now where you can actually support yourself uh, while you're out there by, by employment. And some kind of combination of both. There are many other financial questions that you'll need to ask. For example, things like uh, will you need to make provision for a pension? Uh, you know, eventually either you're going to die out there <laughs> and I've got friends that are doing that no not that they're dying but, um, <laughs> but you know, they're committed long term and uh, they don't look at coming back to the UK at all they're going to they're go- they're give the rest of their life there and they're going to they're die there uh, but there are others who will say no no eventually we're, we'll probably come back to the UK so you need to be asking those questions do we need to provide financially you know, for when we uh, come back is there a need to provide financially for your children's present or future education? Education is a big one when you're, you're going overseas with a family. And there are many different ways uh, that you can help educate your children from homeschooling to sending them to an international school uh, to getting them educated online. But online doesn't uh, you know, uh, suit every child. I can remember a family in Yemen. They had three children. Um, two of them were tutored online in their education, but Sam, the middle one, he hated anything to do <laughs> with computers and internet, so they had to homeschool him. So sometimes you have to balance that, up. but it's an important question to ask, and uh, if you're going to put your children into an international school, uh, very often you're going to have to pay a fair whack you know, to, of money to actually have them in that school. And that's all, not always a, a, an easy decision. Um I can think of another uh, this, uh, this family I used to work with in Tunisia where they thought no we'd love our children just to be in local schools and so they began to send their kids to the local school only to find that they came home each day beaten because in the Islamic school that they were, or the school that they were part of in the, that Islamic country, the kids were constantly beaten if they got anything wrong. And so they thought to themselves, no, this is not the way we want our children to learn and be educated. So they had to take them out um, from that school. And so, as I say, those are, those are things that you need to work out in terms of finances. Is it better to sell up your property and use that money to fund you while you're overseas? Or is it better to uh, rent out your property if you do have property back here? Um, Those things are very important. How will you invest any uh, uh, surplus income Um, if you do go down that way? And so often... You might need not only to talk to folk in your church, you might need to take some professional advice too to just help you think through those, those kind of issues. And of course, for those of us that follow Jesus, there's always that faith equation, isn't there, as well, how much we trust God uh, that he will provide for us, uh, both when we're out on uh, somewhere else in a different place or indeed when we come back after all that time. We have to think of those, those issues. Let me just say a place of uh, um, the place of really short-term opportunities. By that, I mean uh, if you go out on a short-term team for, say, one or two weeks uh, to another area or nation, I would say that there are great ways, actually, to test your suitability to cross-cultural uh, work and also to grow as a person. There's nothing like going to another nation. Uh, actually, the longer you stay there, the better it is because... If you go on short trips, you can soon put up with you know, leaking pipes and all sorts of other things, the longer you go. But there is, I believe, some benefit in going and just seeing another culture and just getting a really taste. You can read about it, you can see it on, on films, you can listen to others. There's nothing like actually going there. remember the first time that I, I went to a very strong Islamic country, which was Yemen. I was only there uh, for a week. I arrived at the airport and as soon as I got out the airport uh, in the capital uh, I was under guard. In that particular time they were abducting westerners and uh, so as I travelled down country I had to travel with armed guards uh, with me uh, down to our team uh, down south. and. Uh, Actually, you could talk to me about that, but it was very different actually being in the car with the guys, you know, with the Kleshnikovs and going through the mountains and think, you know, is anybody come at any moment? You know, it just gives you a total different experience um, actually being on the ground. And uh, so I believe that even, you know, the the short-term things actually can be a good tester for you and help you to get a real feel of what it's like to to be and live in some of these uh, overseas countries. So... I would say look out for those things. There are, uh, they're not up here, they're downstairs aren't they? I mean there are, there are prayer times you know, where folks are going out to church uh, pioneering centres. great to go and do that, to pray round where a church plan is happening overseas and just get the feel, talk to people about it there, can really, can really help you. Working alongside overseas churches, reaching out across cultures uh, gives you valuable experience but there's also opportunities in your home country. Uh, Spending time with a church that you know is working with overseas students. Many of our churches now, even in RM, uh, are working with lots of overseas students. Great to actually go and and, uh, spend a weekend with them, get involved with them, ask them about what they're doing. Uh, Great opportunities to to meet folks from overseas. They're all helpful things uh, that you can do. Okay, Another area you need to think about is whether you are biblically literate. Are you biblically literate? It's essential that we're all well grounded in the scriptures, that we have a good grasp of the principles of interpretation, hermeneutics. Uh, it's ever so important that we're all schooled in that. And most important, that we have a proven ability to apply the scriptures into our everyday life. Because that's what you're going to need to do when you're moving to a new situation, is to take the scriptures and then apply them into the culture contextually where, where you're at. I think I said earlier today that we all need, actually, if you're going overseas, you need to be a self-feeder, okay, that you can actually come to the word yourself and hear God for yourself. Ever so important that you build that uh, into your life. You need to be able to share and explain God's truth to others. And great uh, little, I, I thought what David would do with us today was great because he was giving us a way to communicate the gospel and share truth with others. It's only one method, as David said. But it's great actually to to actually practice how to share your faith. And so, you know, being able to understand the word, but then being able to communicate to others, even if you haven't got to do it yet in a foreign language, to actually just get that confidence of, yeah, I can take something from the scripture, and I can actually explain this to somebody else. And so to practice in that is is really important. So... One of the questions you need to ask yourself is, could I benefit from more teaching or instruction? Are there areas where my knowledge is deficient? Or are there some specific doctrines or truths that will be relevant to the intended sphere of service? So when was the last time you heard a sermon on ancestors? Nobody? No, well probably you wouldn't because, you know, it's just not relevant for us, is it? But if you're going to work in Africa then you have to work out a theology of ancestors and where those ancestors come in the culture and what trust is put in them and why that trust is put in them and why do they worship them and so forth and why is that wrong and uh, all those kind of things. And so there may be areas uh, for the culture that you're going to that you just need to examine a little more. Spiritism, idolatry, Uh, different ways of family life, uh, as I say, ancestors, the place of angels and demons, uh, in certain areas of the world, you've got to be really understanding what the scripture says. Now, of course, the level of your biblical competency will depend largely on the sphere of your future ministry activity. But uh, you need to ask yourself, are there suitable training options in your own local church or in your region? We're going on lead for a couple of years. Be really good preparation and training for you, so that you get hold of some good uh, biblical doctrines and stuff. Are there seminars, seminars, specialist subjects that you could attend? Um, when I, was, uh, when I was younger, I used to hunt out seminars all over the place on different aspects of ministry and Christian life that I could go to uh, in order that I could enhance my knowledge. As I think I may have said, I've been very involved in counselling through the years. And so I've done a number of, of seminars that I've been to to try and train and understand and not always take it on board, what I hear at the seminar, to sift in it, Finding what's good, having a think about those things, but learning, it may be good that you look at those things. Uh, Books or study guides that uh, other leaders could recommend to you. If you do get hold of my book, you'll find there's a, what do you call it, bibliography right at the back. There's a whole series of books. Uh, that you can read on different subjects uh, from your own personal preparation uh, to how you communicate cross-culturally to church planting cross-culturally. Loads and loads of stuff that you could read to prepare yourself um, in those particular areas. Also today there's many online study modules or distance learning. And uh, there's also missionary uh, type colleges that for some people may be uh, a good way through. And then in terms of ministry... Um, you're going to need to actually draw up a list or obtain, uh, as it were in your mind, a job description of what you're likely to be doing in that new setting. And to note down any relevant skills that you might have, that you need to function effectively into that new sphere. And what you need to do then is obviously to look at your current skills and the things that you might need in the future and compare those. And we see there's a deficiency. To say, well, how can I actually meet that deficiency? How can I address that? Maybe further language study, uh, greater cultural awareness, many other things. But how can those be addressed is a very important thing. And in that, I think it's really essential to consult the team that are helping you uh, prepare and go overseas so they can help you with that kind of uh, training that you'll need and uh, agree to take responsibility for your future training needs there are lots of specialist courses around that you could hook into and uh, as we usually say you know, if you don't know where to go there's usually somebody we could put you in touch with uh, that can tell you which courses to kind of go on that could really be a help to you then cross-cultural training is another area and uh, let me just read this paragraph from my book it says this it is not easy to adapt to living in a different culture where people think and act in a way that is alien to all we have known To live in this new environment and particularly to communicate the good news of Jesus will entail both humility and the learning of new skills. People will need to learn to see the Bible through the eyes of the people of their new host culture and discover ways of communicating God's truth in words and actions that are appropriate and sensitive to their new cultural setting. One of the things I'd just say, beware if you move to a country where the language is the same. Do you know, it's entirely different to go to America and think, well, they, they kind of speak English just like I do. But actually their words mean different things. And uh, you can easily get in trouble by using a word that you think is like this in English. And when you say it in America, actually it means this. And sometimes you can get in you know, a real lot of trouble. So just be careful of that because uh, it's important. But the emphasis here really is that uh, you need humility. And in terms of your attitudes, and you need new skills in terms of your actions, and those two things need to go together. That's why, as uh, Maurice said this morning, um, Global Humility is a really excellent book in terms of uh, addressing our attitudes as we move into a new culture, because we have to go into a new culture just like a child, okay, so you have to... I don't know if you've uh, no you haven't got you're so young you haven't got grandchildren but you know my grandchildren always ask me why granddad why this or how how long you know how long are we going to be there are we going to be there I took my grandson uh, this week, and um, we'd run out of milk. So I said, come, come, Charlie, come with me. You can come to the shop with me. And uh, I think every four steps, it's how much further, Grandad? How much further? You know, and kids are like that, aren't they? You know, the, the why and the who and the what questions. And when you move into a new culture, that's how you have to go in as a child. Just ask him with that humility that says, I don't know. Will you teach me? And uh, lots we could s- say about that. But new skills are, are very important. And so, again, learning cross-cultural skills is very important. That's another subject for another day. But uh, you can engage in self-study, lots of stuff around that you can read uh, to assist you in getting a a good handle on on cultural issues. Can I say, it's great to read secular things as well, like Travel Guides, National Geographic magazine, The New Internationalist, Uh, UNICEF produces State of the Nations reports. And if you've not used it up to now, um, the great book, Operation World, uh, which is a prayer guide to praying for all the nations of the world, is a really great resource uh, to be able to look up, get some kind of history on the country spiritually, see where the needs are and that sort of thing. So lots of material that are around for that. Sometimes, again, for cross-cultural training, there are opportunities for residential training. A period of extended, more in-depth training sometimes is good. And uh, we can help and advise you how to investigate then. And then just a last couple of things. Life skills uh, is another thing you'll need to look at. Depending where you're going, uh, not everywhere is like the UK. And so sometimes you've got to think about those kind of just life skills. Uh, You know, how do you do the plumbing? How do you mend a car? how do you get your next driving license? Um, you know, some countries I know of, you know, it takes a whole day uh, to go to a place to get your new driving license because of all the bureaucracy that goes on. And sometimes there are life skills that you might need. You might need a refresher course. Uh, you might need some specific training in areas like medical care or plumbing or all sorts of things. And can I say that adult education uh, authorities often put on a lot of not only evening classes but daytime classes now and many practical skills that you might need. depends where you're going, um, but sometimes you might have to look at just the life skills that enable you uh, to cope with everyday living. And can I say, there's also a great resource in churches with folks. I was glad when I was an elder in my church in Dorset that uh, I had two elders who were both absolutely practical and uh, you know, I'm one of those guys. You know, when you put the shelf on the wall, you know, it falls down. You know, or one goes down like this. You know. And so it was always lovely to to have my my two friends who would always come around and give me a hand. You know, in doing things or putting up new fences in the garden, all that kind of thing. And there's a wealth of resource, of practical resource within the life of the church. And if you're going to somewhere where you've got to learn a new school, it may well be that there's someone in the church that you can kind of be apprenticed by so that they can help you to understand how to do those things. Even with uh, cars in that sense, you know, just the, the basic mechanics of uh, you know, looking after your car can be important when you get out into other countries where there's no garages around or where there's huge distances between getting help with those uh, those things. So there's enormous resource there that you could use. And then think yes lastly just a reminder about language obviously language tends to develop best uh, when placed in an environment where you need to use it on a daily basis uh, living among nationals is a great value but it's not often possible until you've actually made that move so formal language training is a great help but not everyone is well suited to that and to the classroom environment so uh, if you're not particularly gifted uh, don't have an aptitude for learning foreign languages, that can often be very, very hard. And uh, one of the things uh, that I've, I've learned from... <laughs> would you believe the African Inland Mission is that when they send their teams these days they send them all at the same time they try and wait until they've got a whole team and then they send the whole team together because one of the things they've found is that people are much better at learning language when they've got others to help them and so when they get there there are some folk who absolutely accelerate away in the language there are others who are really quite slow in it but being together actually enhances their whole language learning and uh, so immersion is a really great thing but even before you go there are things that you can prepare and do and if you're on the road think about things like Langrophone courses uh, which are still considered to be some of the best methods BBC courses where if you look on their language uh, things you often get a whole lot of culture thrown in uh, in terms alongside uh, the language and night school adult education classes both for beginners and also advanced courses and these days what about a personal tutor? And uh, many folks uh, that come from abroad now, um, you know, you can kind of pick up quite easily either to pay them a few, you know, for doing a few hours with you, or actually to have a reciprocal arrangement. So you teach me Arabic, and I'll teach you English. And uh, so you can find that, and that's that's a great way because it's actually speaking and using the language uh, as well as learning, uh, obviously, a a written language at the same time. And uh, although it's possible uh, to get by in many nations today, still speaking English. I'm always amazed when I travel around the world, how many people, even when I get right out in the outback somewhere, and you think you're in this obscure little village, and suddenly you find, you know, the guy comes towards you, and he speaks to you in English. You think, how on earth have you got, you know, I've just travelled, you know, five hours on the road to get this, this obscure out-of-the-way place, and here's a guy who speaks English. But I have to say that folks overseas really love you to speak their own language, and even when you can just speak it in a few sentences or whatever, they just love you for having a try. And uh, kids are really good at helping you to learn language because they tell you when you've said the wrong thing. They're not ashamed of that, you know. Oh, they laugh at you, you know, that's not how you say that. Do you know what you just said? You know, you thought it was fish, but you said monkey, you know. <laughs> you know and all those things go on. You know. So kids are a real, you know, boom to, to learning language in that way. But it is important because we have to understand that culture and language are linked together. And so that the way that people express themselves often has their thought processes, often contains uh, you know, what is of value to that particular uh, culture. And so language is very, very, very important. And if you are going cross-cultural to another nation, another people group, um, then I would say language is so important. Learning the way people think, and the way they phrase things, the way they communicate, uh, the way they understand things, is very, very vital. And these are all things that you need to think about. You know, as you research the route, if you know where you're going, these are all practical areas that you need to start thinking about uh, on the way. So I think we'll leave it there.